And let's pray. Father, we always come to you as supplicants, people who need and seek something from you. And so, Lord, we pray now that you would give us that which we need and the faith to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is a sermon about crying out to God's prophet. Today's Old Testament reading, which uh, is printed in your insert, and I invite you to have that open as we go through this. Today's Old Testament reading begins, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah. Here is a supplicant, someone coming and crying out for, for what? For help in this case. She had reason to be desperate for it. Your servant, my husband, is dead and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. This is a compound catastrophe for this woman. The loss of a husband and the loss of children hanging over her as well as destitution she faces. To be alive is to be vulnerable. Sometimes in large ways or small ways we are forced or faced with trouble. We're faced with loss. We're faced with or we fear catastrophe. The onset of illness squeeze on our finances, the loss of a job, or having no choice but to work in a bad job, our networks of support and belonging breaking down. May it never be for us. May we always have strength. May we always have provision. May we always have friends and family. But when we don't, we may need help and need it badly. What might happen if we cry out for God's help I take it that the miracle that we read about here in this passage is a sign or a token, a little miniature of what the Lord does for those who cry out to him. What happens to the widow is that she enters a process under the direction of the prophet Elisha, which culminates in her deliverance. And so today I want to have a look at, firstly, this widow's experience of deliverance, and then secondly, our experience of deliverance. That's where we're going. Let's begin, firstly, with the widow's experience of deliverance. So firstly, despite her family's faith, she finds herself in deep trouble. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. He is a man from the company of the prophets, a man who revered the Lord, who dies yet untimely and with debts and implacable creditors. We don't know if the man was foolish to incur these debts or just unfortunate, but faith is no guarantee that griefs and threats will not arise and tear even at us. Despite her trouble, she cries out to God's representative, the prophet Elisha. Perhaps there is You can imagine, or you might imagine, some bitterness and reproach in her words. My husband is dead, and you know that he feared the Lord. But she's not really there to complain. She's seeking help, help from God. And she goes to the man of God, the prophet, the one whom God has placed among his people to represent him. And eager to help, Elisha begins with what she has available to her. Psalm 68.5 says... Father of orphans, 
and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. And Elisha reflects this in his readiness to hear her and to help her. He is going to be the father of orphans and protector of widows as the Lord is. How can I help you? are his first words. His next question seeks to know what she has already. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Now Elisha doesn't just kind of conjure up from his robes a bag of silver and present it to her. He sends her back to her own home to what she has there, meagre and inadequate as it is or seems to be. The widow has to cooperate in her own deliverance. Elisha gives her a program of instructions. Elisha says, go round and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. If she had no faith in Elijah's word, she might say, how ridiculous. I thought, you know, you might send the hat around the sons of prophets and get community contributions on my behalf. But this, borrow a ton of jars, pour oil into them? Are you for real? But she did have faith. She trusted Elisha and believed his words worth putting into practice. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. The meagre and inadequate resource, then, was multiplied into more than enough. The oil stops when the empty jars are all full. And Elisha's later instructions show that not only was the debt covered, but there was enough left to sustain the woman and her sons. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. And so, Elisha proves himself to be a man of God in the mould of Elijah. And the widow and her sons experience God to be the father of orphans and the protector of widows. And the faith that they exercised in doing as Elijah said was confirmed. Ah, we were right to trust him. We were right to trust that he is a man who speaks for God and whom God's power comes to us through. And they were free, free of debt and clear, clear of trouble. This was a mighty thing for them and a testimony to all who heard of it that God was with his people. However, that was a, perhaps a long time ago, far, far away. What does this might what does this mean or might this mean for us, for you and I sitting here this morning? Let's think now about our experience of deliverance. For to be a Christian is to cry out for God's deliverance. And in particular, to cry out to Jesus, the man of God, the prophet of God, the son of God, to cry out to Jesus for deliverance. Romans 10, verses 12 and 13. The same Lord, that is the Lord Jesus, the same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what, you might ask? Well, 
in this case, it's saved from the shared and ultimate enemies of all human life. That is sin. The turning away from God that ruins good relationships with God and with others. From the enemy of death, which is the wages of sin and the loss of all the goods of life. And from the enemy of evil or the devil, the lie that aims to destroy, the malice that is hostile to God and his work. These are the shared and ultimate enemies of all human life. We all live under their threats and in their grip. We all need to be saved from these things. This is the big salvation that can't be seen now and won't be fully experienced until the last trumpet, says 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Here is Christian hope for deliverance of salvation. The salvation is spoken of in symbolic terms. The trumpet there is not that we're all kind of listening out for the the sound of an actual trumpet, but there will be a moment where we really do hope for, as we confess in the creed, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. And Jesus' resurrection is a preview and the promise of our resurrection. And just as Elisha gave the widow a way to work out her salvation by expressing her faith in borrowing empty jars from her neighbours and picking up the little jar of oil and starting to pour, this is an expression of her faith. So also Jesus gives us ways to work out our salvation. He calls us into a process of salvation which ends in our deliverance, as, for example, in our Gospel reading, where Jesus says to his disciples, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you also should love one another. This is our faith, which expresses itself through love. And this is the way that we enter the process where, which God's prophet calls us into, which ends in our salvation. A commitment to loving one another may seem at times as odd as borrowing jars and expecting a little jug to fill them. It's not always obvious that loving one another is the key, the best thing to do. But we seek to love one another because we trust And we follow the one who gave us the command. And in following the command, we discover the power of God in our lives. The love we have on the shelf of our hearts might be a small jugful. But Romans 5.5, God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Well, if that is our experience of salvation in the big picture, crying out to Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, for deliverance from evil, for life everlasting, and expressing our faith through love of one another and waiting patiently for that last trumpet, that's the big picture of salvation. What about then the little picture? What about, you know, my actual problems here and now in this life when I have debts, when I have 
a destructive habit, when my family is at risk, when I need help, some kind of escape or reprieve or deliverance. The Apostle Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. We're encouraged to bring all our troubles, large and small, to Jesus, to cry out to him, as the widow cried out to Elijah. Now, there are no promises that, you know, if your bank balance is low, that it will miraculously improve, or that your relationships or your self-control or your health will just kind of, in a moment, be transformed in a completely miraculous way. But these things may unexpectedly and providentially improve. And it may be that you have something that seems like nothing, you know, a name that someone gave you, a small success that you had yesterday, some skill, some lead, some idea, an old connection. It may be that God points you in your trouble to something that when you pick it up to see if it might help, this skill, this lead, this idea, this connection, then God turns it into something that really does help. The way that God helped the widow was hidden. It was behind closed doors. It was inside a small jug. There was no light or crack of thunder. It just... Who saw it happen? It just was there in the world. But the help was real. God will help you for sure with the big deliverance from sin and death and evil. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on his name. But I suspect that he has helped and will help you with small deliverances too, for he cares for us. So, call on him. Trust in him. And give thanks to him in all the ways big and small, that he is our strength and our shield. Let's pray. Now, Father, we have many anxieties and cares that we are encouraged to cast upon you because you care for us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be able to turn to you as this widow turned to Elijah, to be able to turn to your son, our Lord Jesus, and to call on him, to call on him for that big salvation we all need, from sin, from death, from evil, and to know the promise that we will receive that salvation and to look forward to it with hope and joy. Help us also in the little things that trouble us in life, the little ways in which we are under pressure and threatened, that you are our help and our shield there too. And so, Lord, we do pray that we would be able to give thanks as we reflect on the ways you have delivered us even in the circumstances of our own life now. And give us the faith, Lord, to engage with whatever you would have us do, however you would have us walk, in order that we might know your work in our lives now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.